Show number 23 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Lo, who is that striding across the steps? It is Zoe Rancevich, hands clutching gilded boxing gloves, and with a vengeful bellow her voice cometh, For the love of beating skulls will be fucked for Satan. (laughs) What a great way to start the show. (laughs) And for those of you who didn't catch on, that is the battle cry of the two-year-old daughter of one of our listeners. So maybe I should have done it like in a little girl voice. (laughs) Yeah, That came to us from uh, Dean Rancevich in Sydney, Australia, and that was his daughter's battle cry. I think it's wonderful. And you know what? What? Can you imagine what she's going to grow up to be? (laughs) I wish that was my battle cry. I wish I'd had that when I was two. (laughs) (laughs) I think I did. I really think I did. Oh, well, um... It's, it's, look at his butt, show 23. We should probably say that before we forget. Okay. And we have so much news. We do. We are just bursting with news because it's been a while since we did a show. The last actual show that we did was back when we were at BassCon. Which was like three weeks ago. It was a long, long time ago. And since then we have been putting up many, many things. And um, I wanted to just thank everybody who's been writing to us and saying how much they enjoyed the BassCon shows. Because quite a few people said, you know, I never knew about fanfic before. But listening to the author's talk was fascinating, and I clicked through, and I read some of the things, and it was just really great. So I think that was a big success, that whole experiment. And I want to also thank, again, Jonk, Sunbeam, and Kathy Rush for doing those interviews. Listening to them, I I loved them all over again, and I was there when they were recorded. It was wonderful. And we had a lot of fun with that, so we are definitely going to try and do more of that. We are. I think we're going to try to make a regular feature where we talk about different fanfic, and um, not all of it slash. We'll do lots of other stuff, like Jen stuff that doesn't have any sex in it at all, Mm -hmm. and head stuff, and all kinds of different stuff, because there's a lot of good fanfic out there. But as people have pointed out, I think most of the people who wrote to us said something like, I had tried to read some fanfic, and the first stuff that I found was awful, and that was it, and I never wanted to read any more of it. Well, and I thought it was interesting, too, when we were talking like to Jonk and Sunbeam, and mm-hmm. you and I have talked about what were our first stories, and we all came out at the same time, and I'm starting to think that at that time, there was maybe one little archive, yeah. and we all went to that, and we found the few good stories, and yeah. went, ooh, this is cool. Now there are a million archives, mm-hmm. and there is... an exponential amount of crap. So anybody diving in, chances are you're going to hit your head on the bottom of the pool that first dive. So, um, that's a great metaphor. I like that. Your brains will be all smashed out. and You can say fanfic did it to you. So we will be your guides through the, the treacherous world of fanfic. And yes, we will be, um, venturing boldly where most of you have never gone before. And, uh, we'll be recommending the good stuff and only the good stuff. Except when we occasionally have to read well, stuff with dot, dot, dot in it. You know, because then it's, it's too much fun to make fun of it. Okay, so let's zip through some of the stuff up front. Um, the first thing that I wanted to mention is that, as promised about a thousand years ago, uh, we now have t-shirts available hey. at Cafe Press. For those of you who would like to wear a t-shirt that says, look at his butt on the front. <laughs> They're very nice t-shirts. You know, Cafe Press is a little pricey, but, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And just in time for Christmas. <laughs> they make wonderful gifts. And I'm looking at the screen right now, and they're having free shipping through the 6th of December, which is not a bad hey, deal. Hey, that's pretty good. So it has our logo on the front. It has some text in the um, address for the blog on the back, so people will know what the hell it's about. But they look really good, and we're going to have some for sure. And we are also going to be adding to it, you know, buttons and, and some other things. But yeah. T-shirts were the, the first thing we wanted to get up there and get out there. So uh, so you can proudly display yeah, your listenership that, on your chest. That's right. Now, by the time the Creation Con in whatever it is, October or September Something of next like year, we hope, we expect to see some people wearing those shirts at that con. And we'll be glad to autograph them. And you know what? We charge a lot less than Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to stand in line and be yelled at by Clayton. You know, it'll be like... You and I will have um, our own little place in the con that will be like a three-card Monty thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We're going to bring, like, collapsible table with us and just set it up in the corner really quick, and people will come and get their stuff autographed. And as soon as the Klingon security cards come, we'll break it all down and run away really fast. 
podcast. Great idea. So there you go. It'll be a, a, a floating um, crap game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so watch for that. Yeah, so you can be Nathan Detroit. And anyway. So okay. <laughs> we'll have songs by then. We'll have lyrics. Don't worry about it. So that's a pretty cool thing. Um, another cool thing is that we were guests on a show that's called Sci-Fi Access, and it's run by the good people at um, the Science Fiction Podcast Network, also known as TSFPN.com, and that's the little commercial thing that you hear in our show every week. And we are in Episode 2, and it was just uploaded a couple of days ago, and I will put in a link to it. The actual um, address is really, really long, so I can't read it to you right now. Also, while we're talking about TSFPN, I want to remind people that we do have a a bbs there or something like that so yeah you leave your comments on our blog and that's great and it and you send us email and that's great but if you want to um also talk to us and talk to other listeners of our show ts our 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 board on tsfpn would be the place to go yeah so i'll put in a link directly there because sometimes it can be a little um, that's tricky to get to to yeah Yeah, because they changed hosting for their forums and they everything got lost from the old forums and stuff so I'll put in a link. So um, one more item of self-promotion, which is um, there's a place called Podcast Alley online, and it's podcastalley.com, and it's a directory of podcasts, and you can vote for ones that you like. And we've been listed there since the very beginning. Um, When we got the show up and running, we basically put our podcast into every directory that there was. The cool thing about Podcast Alley is that if you get enough votes, you get into, you know, the top whatever, 100 or something, and people pay attention to that, and because of it, who knows, we might get more exposure, we might get invited to be on some other kind of show, and it's just, it's good, and so you can show your support, and, you know, don't cost nothing, all you have to do is go there and register, you can vote once a month, um, and you can vote from as many different email addresses as you have, so... (laughs) No, so true. get out those sock puppets. Really? So go ahead, you know, vote for us because we would really like to have your vote. I hate shilling for votes, but this seemed like it would be a good thing and it would increase our visibility. Hey, and hey. with the stuff Bill is doing, <laughs> you and I need to have no shame about shilling. Yeah, that's true. We are just in the reflected glory of Kirk White. That's true. So let's move into Bill Shatner mode here and say, vote for us on Podcast Alley. <laughs> Vote, vote for look at your butt. Look at your butt. Oh, my God. <laughs> vote for look at his, his butt. butt. As far as we know, there is no look at your butt show. And please oh. don't send us pictures of your butts. <laughs> See, I could never do it like Shatner does because he's just got it down. Like, But the, he gets multiple takes. We're doing this live. Plus, he gets to tell off the director. You know. <laughs> so just go to Podcast Alley and vote for us, Okay. <laughs> Don't make me tell you again. Or we'll have Tom Sesney sue you. (laughs) Okay, enough with the self-promotion stuff. We've got tons and tons of Trek stuff to talk about, so let's do some of that. Um, Let's see. We could do a couple of things from last that we had talked about previously just to kind of bring closure to them. One of them was about George Takei. So... As you probably know, there was lots of reaction to him, you know, coming out and telling everybody he was gay, you know, good for him. Everybody was very happy about that. Um, but I, I will put the link up to this, and maybe I can even get the picture to come up there. The This was pointed out to us by more than one person. Well, my friend, Your friend sent us out. the picture, and I think mm-hmm. we did post it. I put the link in there to and it, And yeah. he, he said, could they have found a gayer picture? Right. And so it was kind of interesting to see this, right. which Lane is going to share with you. So this was an article at Trek Today, and it was just reporting on the reaction to him coming out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and at the end of the article, it says that Dexter at the Valley Advocate raised his eyebrows at the photo Yahoo chose to accompany the article on Takei coming out, saying, quote, The picture attached to the story shows Takei looking, um, extraordinarily gay. And since the image comes from 1996, that means that the Yahoo editors pretty much went out and found the gayest looking photo of Takei that they could which I think we agree with. Yes. Um, Dexter hoped Takei's revelation would provide, quote, yet one more wake-up call to the producers of the still homo-free Star Trek (laughs) franchise to include a gay character. And oh, I totally agree with that. But it's true. They did find the gayest photo of him that they possibly could. And, you know, we've we've ragged on poor George Takei, but um, I found out something this week or the week before, whatever, any, anyway, about one of the motivations for him coming out yeah. at this particular time, which I thought was pretty interesting, was he was motivated in what I read 
by his disappointment at the same-sex marriage bill oh, uh, going yeah, to be vetoed yeah. by our governor, governor, <laughs> Arnold, and he, he, he had been hoping that he could marry his, his, oh, his long-time partner. life partner, uh-huh. and now they can't. And so I guess he wanted to add his voice to the, the disappointment, to the protest over that. Oh, well, good for him. And, yeah, and I, I do say good for him. Yeah, well, that that is really great. And, uh, yeah, why did they choose that picture? And, yeah, why why is Star Trek still homo-free? I don't know why. I don't, I don't, I don't know why either. I, I do know there was discussion of um, they wanted to have like some same-sex couples in mm-hmm. the background of some of the ten forward scenes yeah. in TNG, and that was absolutely shot down. It, it's so weird because I don't, I don't perceive that Gene Roddenberry was homophobic in any way, especially given the comments that he made in the novelization of the first Star Trek mm-hmm. book about Kirk and Spock, and yeah. like kind of implying that it was okay if anything happened. So who was it who was producing Star Trek? Who, right. who well, had such a violent reaction to yeah, it? Obviously it had Rick to be. Rick Berman? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, they did do that one episode, which I thought was a really interesting one, where there was that um, woman Riker fell in love with. And, yeah. And it was sort of a, a flip of the coin sort of thing. Um, you know, that whole society mm-hmm. was, what would you call it, heterophobic? Yeah, they were gender phobic, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we we could talk about that episode at length some other time after we've watched it. And my basic objection to that one was that if they were going to do an episode where the people that they the the that the crew of the Enterprise came in contact with were supposed to be gender neutral, why did they cast a woman in this role of the person that Riker falls in love with, mm-hmm. who was so obviously a woman, who had no right. masculine characteristics whatsoever? She looked like a woman. She talked like a woman. She acted like a woman. She was clearly a woman. There was nothing about her that implied any kind of gender ambiguity whatsoever. And you know, it's interesting too because how many bazillion years earlier we had the Telosians who were very gender. Yes, neutral, exactly. And they were played. They by were women. women. Yeah. So why did they have? I mean, I know why they did it, but it was a huge missed opportunity there. And yet, on um, the episode of, of Deep Space Nine, you know, where Dax gets to kiss another woman. I mean, that's okay because mm-hmm. it's women. Well, remember there was a TNG episode, too, where there was one of the symbionts yeah, yeah. that um, Crusher fell yeah. in love with, and then was it, a it switched body? to a woman's host, yeah. and she just couldn't go there, which I thought was interesting, and that's a perfectly valid choice for anybody to make, if character. I just can't go there. Yeah. But um, they sort of, in a way, I respect TNG for even dancing around the issue mm. a little bit, for it just trying to even get close to it, but it is ridiculous that in TNG, that, you know, those episodes first aired, what, 15, 20 years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. And, and they, that we still can't just have two guys or two women holding hands in 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 the turbo lift I or know. something. And you know, and so and and they never did it in any of the other series either. Even by the time like Voyager, the last, because uh, I'm not counting Enterprise, but you know they couldn't have done it there either. You know what I was thinking? Mem- well, we we've talked about um, the Shatner Spader thing about you know how they're sort of <laughs> dancing around jokily about uh-huh. is you know does he does he not want to? And I thought you know in a way. And David Kelly may just be the guy to to push the edge of this envelope. It would be very interesting if um, if Alan Shore were to reveal that he is bisexual or even homosexual. Uh. And you know what would make it really interesting to me? We've had gay characters now openly as the wacky neighbor. Uh-huh. And we've had lead gay characters, although they were never really to have, allowed to have much of a sex life, such as Will on Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. But he is a lead male character. They're only in comedies. Mm. We don't have a lead gay character in anything that resembles a drama. And for those purposes, Boston Legal still does have a serious yeah. side to it. It's not, you know, completely played for laughs. So that might uh, might be interesting. That would be very interesting. Boy, if anybody could carry it off, it would be Spader. Mm-hmm. He would be great. Because he's ambiguous he anyway. Is. I mean, the first time you saw Sex, Lies, and Videotape, didn't you go, what? <laughs> What is this guy? Is he after the women? Is he yeah, well, he's he's morally ambiguous in, in totally. every way. So that would be perfect. What a great thing. That would be really cool. So uh, so enough about that for now. Let's move on to a much happier topic. I was just going to say the happy news. The happy news is that Brandon Braga is leaving Star Trek. Yay! But I have to point out, that ship sailed. <laughs> there is no Star Trek. But he's leaving. <laughs> he's leaving. Yay! So we're very, very happy about that. He made this announcement a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> well, here's what I really like about this article. So this was at IGN, which is um, 
it's IGN Film Force, and the, the lead of the article says, It could be a welcome first step for Star Trek fans, many of whom have uh, voiced a desire to have new talent in charge of the beloved movie and television franchise. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is absolutely true. It is a welcome first step. Yay! Well, and uh, I read something about in some interview, I believe, with a British magazine. He, he said he's sorry he didn't listen to the fans more. And I'm going, well, that's like a lot too little, a very, very lot too late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> so I don't know. I, I don't really have too much to to uh, to say about that because it's not like he's leaving this, this living, thriving the thing, although thing. I'm not going to say it's dead, that it won't come back, that there won't be... Yeah. another um, Star Trek TV series yeah. or some more Star Trek movies. But, you know, for me, it really, to be honest, it hasn't really been Star Trek since TOS. Mm. So everything they do is, you know, just sort of keeping it alive. Some of it's good. Some of it I don't care for at all. But I'm I'm never getting my hopes up again that it's going to be <laughs> something that is going to... It's lightning in a bottle for me. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing has ever hit me the way TOS did. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect anything to. And I don't care if it's got the Star Trek label on it or just, you know, some other yeah. thing. I, you know, I, I think a lot of people feel that way about TNG also. Mm-hmm. That, yes, that, I think so. That was the thing for them. And I'm wondering if there are people who feel that way about DS9 or Voyager or Enterprise. I can't imagine anybody would really feel that way about Enterprise. But, um, you know, it seemed that the... The first series in TNG were really responsible for establishing the universe that is Star Trek, and then the shows that came after it, and the books and everything else, have just been um, small elaborations on mm-hmm. the main creation. And I don't know that there's any room for any more main creation. It's kind of been done, right? Right. And anything else that you see, unless it's something that's wildly different, in which case, is it really even Star Trek anymore? You know, if, if there's going to be a series that's about, I don't know, Romulans or something it's there there can't ever be the impact that the those first the first series and then TNG had because they're building something new yeah they build something new and now it's Mm -hmm. it's there and everything else plays in it but it's never going to be new again right it would be nice if they could find a new thing but I can't quite imagine what that would be well yeah and well I think we've seen too that like with Deep Space Nine, they did kind of try to find a new thing to look mm-hmm. at a different aspect of that universe, and that never had the numbers that the other series did. And certainly there's a lot of fan resistance. Fans have such fixed ideas, and I'm certainly one of them, about what they want Star Trek to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't know. It's 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 so disjointed now. Fandom is so many little, mm-hmm. little pieces. And... Uh, the idea of it being this big playground that we can all enjoy, I think has died and it's certainly dead on the internet Mm. as far as, as, as fandom fanfic and what type of fanfic and what series and what character it's very splintered. And I kind of think that, that Star Trek fandom as a whole is that way. It it definitely is. I mean, there it's now split into different fans of different shows, but then different fans of different media, mm-hmm. like whether you want the books or whether you want the movies or whether you want the series. And now the the people who are making their own fan films who are having, you know, that's the area that they play in. And now they have their own fans who really like the fan mm-hmm. films as opposed to liking yeah, the actual thing. <laughs> so it's kind of like TOS was the Big Bang, and mm-hmm. there was intelligent design at the beginning, but then it just let itself run, and now it's so big that the intelligent design, if there ever was one, can't control it anymore. It's it's certainly well beyond the capacity of, of a single entity to say this is what Star Trek is. Yeah, I, I'm really curious. I honestly think Star Trek is fandom now more than anything yeah. else. Even before it went off, in many ways... What they were doing with Enterprise, and I think to a great extent, especially with the latter seasons of Voyager, was absolutely irrelevant to many Star Trek fans who mm-hmm. still considered themselves fans active in the fandom through all these other things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Star Trek is now, is the fandom. That That is probably true. I, I'm really curious to know what they're going to do, you know. Are they really going to... Well, gonna they're going to do Kirk and Spock as young hoodlums oh, sent to military oh. school. <laughs> But this movie, you know, if they're really going to make this movie that's going to be pre-whatever it's supposed to be, I have no idea what that could be. No, prequels are a bad idea. We already covered that. They should be listening. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting. But uh, I think that um, Trek fandom is going to go on for a really long time. I think so, too. Yeah. It will certainly outlive anything that Paramount chooses to do. Yeah. Yeah. And we're right there in the front. We are. Loving it and hating it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we're... <laughs> Yeah, remember we talked about Star I know. Trek and we, the fans who hate it. We, it's true. They have, the fans are so intense that they actually hate it. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I, You know, I just want to get this off my chest. <laughs> because it pisses me off. It's something fandom that really pisses me off. And that is that there are fans who believe that if it's called Star Trek, we're supposed to be watching oh, it. Oh, I know. I hate like that. Like, we're oh. supposed to do it. And we're... I mean, I I had a friend literally kill found me and has not spoken to me now in many, many years because I disliked Enterprise after the first episode. <laughs> and apparently I had not given it enough of a chance. I'm going, I gave it two fucking hours of my life. Now, I've walked out on movies that I was enjoying more than that. Uh-huh. I stuck with it through the whole first episode. And I only did that because it was supposed to be Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Any other TV show... That I watch, within 10 minutes, it's out of there if I'm not enjoying it. But this whole idea that we have some obligation to support this lame-ass shit they're putting out there just because we say we're Trekkies. Well, we're Trekkies, but we're not stupid. Yeah. And I think they count on that. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me the angriest of all, was knowing that Berman and Braga were putting out their vision of a science fiction show, and they were just slapping the Star Trek label on it because they knew it drew in enough suckers who would watch anything called Mm -hmm, Star Trek. mm -hmm. Well, if you keep doing that, of course you're pissed off one season in, two seasons in, going, this isn't Star Trek, what are they doing? Well, you watched it the whole time. (laughs) You supported it with your eyeballs. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do you expect? They now know they can put out any piece of crap, call it Star Trek, and limp along. Mm-hmm. They don't have to win us, and that makes me mad. I, I totally agree. Well, maybe that's going to change. I mean, maybe people will become more discriminating now when there, when there's, when there isn't anything. Maybe. I don't know. It would be nice. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if they could go back to making some quality things. Yeah. I would really like that. Yeah. Not fan films, though. <laughs> well, not that they're bad or anything, but they just don't have the resources yep. to do it properly. Yep. All right. Um, so that's a whole bunch of stuff. I think we need to take a break. I think we do, too. So let's take a break, and then we'll we'll come back, and we'll talk about all the other um, Brazilian things that we have to talk about. <laughs> Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Okay, gang, you know the drill. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. We want to hear from you, and you know we're going to read your email on the show. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. T S S F F P N N side 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 access. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has collected together some of the best science fiction, fantasy, and gaming podcasts out there. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has a lot of great programming that you might be missing. The goal of this podcast is to showcase some of the great shows available on the network so that you don't miss out on all the fun. Each episode will contain an interview with a TSFPN podcaster and clips from their show. I'll also play some of the fun, funny, and cool clips from some of the other TSFPN shows from this week. To start listening to TSFPN Sci-Fi Access, just visit tsfpn.com. All right, everybody, get out your pens, because you're going to want to write this one down. This phone number you should call. I don't know the area code, but it's in Texas, and it's Car Wreck. (laughs) Because this is the phone number of the latest law firm that Mr. Shatner... Our own inimitable Denny Crane is shilling for, and they actually have his picture in the phone book. It's a horrible picture. It is, and and the name of the firm 
Malaise and Davis. <laughs> Can you imagine? And that's actually who Phil Davis of White Christmas teamed up with <laughs> after uh, Bob Wallace died. <laughs> He had to go with Malays and Davis, and they were no success at all as a vaudeville team, so they went into lawyering. Oh, God. Yeah, summer Malays. That's yep. it. <laughs> so if you're in Texas, call Car Wreck. Talk to Malays and Davis. See if Bill is answering their, really? their phone See if Bill them. is going to uh, represent you, perhaps, or make an appearance on your behalf in court. He's a friend of the, the defendant. And it's obvious from this picture, what I can see of it, that he... Did not steal his costume from Boston Legal, because look at the suit, look at the tie. Oh, that's a bad tie. He chose that himself. Bad tie, and the suit doesn't look like it fits quite right either. No, no, totally. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, the picture looks like in the next shot, you know, the one they took a Uh split second after this one, he was sticking his tongue out, because doesn't he look like he's getting ready to go? He does, he does. Yeah. Yeah, so the the ad reads, um, I just made it bigger, you know, if you click on it. it yes. you get the Tell them you mean business, auto accidents, personal injury, wrongful death, hit and run, uninsured motorist, DUI injuries, brain injuries, accidental death, fall down injuries. Dog bites. <laughs> all accidental injuries. In fact, why did they even need to list all those things? I don't they know, could- but also employment law, discrimination, harassment. Retaliation. Retaliation. No okay. fee unless successful, it says. So they call work on contingency. They'll come to us. Wow. Home hospital or office. We should call them right now. Okay. Huh? Um, listen, has Bill trademarked Tell Them You Mean Business? <laughs> because he said that in the um, Tom Sesney commercial, <gasps> too. Maybe that's his, his shill tagline, Tell Them You Mean Business. <laughs> if he did an ad for us, he would probably say, Tell, tell Them You, you Mean, mean business. business when you look at my butt. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. So that was our smooth little segue into legal type stuff. Boston legal. Boston legal. Of which we just watched two, the, the most recent two. Yes, the, the first one, one of the, the big highlights, of course, was The Hobbit Shining Bill Shoes. Oh, that was great. And we have to explain because our friend Gregory in New Zealand said, why are you calling him a hobbit? And he said, why is there a hobbit on the show? (laughs) Because they don't get this show in New Zealand. Yeah. So the reason that we call him the hobbit is from the very first time we saw that character on the show, I don't even know what his name is, the guy. It's Hobbit. Okay. He's, I don't know the actor's name. Hobbit. (laughs) I don't know the actor's name. I don't know the character's name. He's one of the new young lawyers. He's the the boy new young lawyer as opposed to the girls new young lawyers. Yeah. And he looks like he's about 18 years old or younger, possibly 16 years old. Um, he has big hair and he he looks kind of like Elijah Wood, I think. And you know what? What? I bet if we looked, we could find him posing with baked goods somewhere. Oh, we probably could. Yeah, so we'd know then that not only is he a hobbit, he's a gay hobbit. He's a gay hobbit. So we And he's kind of short and kind of slight, and he just looks like a hobbit. He's hobbity looking, and he, he's he, got yeah, hobbity yeah. hair like he's been sleeping out on the mountain a couple like days. Like he combs it with a fork, yeah. and uh, he just is sort of wide-eyed and deferential and doesn't really seem to know what's going on most of the time. So he strikes us as a hobbit. Yep, and... Uh, Bill made the Hobbit shiny shoes. And that was great. That was wonderful. That was really great. Um, That was the episode where Bill made the Hobbit shiny shoes. Really, seriously, was, I think, one of the best episodes they've done. Yeah. Um, Bill had such a wonderful range of emotions to play and was, of course, completely up to the task. He was in the situation where he had been ordered into, you know, to public service, civil Mm -hmm. service, whatever, to um, defend a man who had raped and murdered a 13-year-old girl, and he didn't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's sort of being played for laughs. He doesn't want to represent somebody poor. He hopes the guy dies. But then when it finally comes down to that he's going to have to do it, in the course of interviewing the client, he takes a gun out of his briefcase and shoots him in the knees mm-hmm. and says, the guy came for me. So he gets off the case. And when I saw that, I, w- I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I, I know my mouth open. It was very shocking the way it was done. It was very casual. There was no build-up to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He just pulled the gun out of his briefcase and shot him. Right. Just in like the that. midst of this conversation yeah. of, you know, this is how we'll do your defense uh-huh. with complete insanity. Bang, bang. You know, and they, he came for me. But um, then the, the scene after that where he is in jail and Alan comes to see mm-hmm. him. 
wonderful scene. Um, Alan's case at that time, we learned that Alan has a fear of clowns. <laughs> and so in this jail cell, they're discussing both these situations, mm-hmm. Alan's fear of clowns and that Denny, you know, may well go to jail for that. It was a beautifully played scene. And Shatner just had a, a wonderful line about, I'm old and I don't want to spend the time mm-hmm. I've got left defending scum who rapes and murders a 13-year-old. And that's part of what I like about this show is, in its own very strange way, it presents some important ideas and it presents sort of both sides. But because, you know, Denny's wacko. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they get into this. Do you have the right to kill the client, Mm -hmm. to be the vigilante? Well, no, you don't have the right. But do you want to spend your time Mm -hmm, that way? mm -hmm. And it's, it's an interesting moral dilemma. And presented in an extremely entertaining and intriguing way. Yeah, and he's so good. He's so good at portraying all the the levels and the nuances yes. that go along with it. And then it, that episode ended with a wonderful rooftop scene with the weird patio furniture um, with him and Spader. And for once it was played in a very different way, which was that um, Spader was sitting outside uh, smoking and waiting for Denny to show up because uh, Denny had just been on the Larry King show, of which he totally took control, just as Bill does in every interview situation that he's in. Yep, when just he wants totally to took it over. It was great. He goes for it. It was wonderful. So Alan's sitting there smoking, and Denny comes bubbling in almost. He's so excited because he's been on the show, and he says that he's gotten a call from the Republican Party who want him to think about being mayor of Boston and... Alan says, what would you do if you were mayor? And he says, attack Rhode Island. <laughs> and he kind of shrugs and says, it's small. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's a start. <laughs> it, it was a great scene, and I'm glad you brought up the idea of, of him bubbling, because my feeling was that he was, he was full of himself. He, he was. was. He was he was happy, and it was so nice to see, because he even says, it's fun being me. Yep. And so many of those scenes, and many of the scenes we've seen, have, you know, been about how difficult it is to mm-hmm. be Denny Crane. He's had a wonderful moment where he said, I wish I'd never been great because it's so mm-hmm. awful to, to remember that mm-hmm. and not be that anymore. And really touching stuff, but it's it's nice to see that. And it's also, of course, you can't, if you're a Shatner fan, you can't help but see, read some reality into that, mm-hmm. that yes, it's fun being Bill Shatner, but I think it's also fun being Bill Shatner playing Denny Crane. Oh, yeah. When you're 74 years old and most people are going, you know, you're out of it by then. And here he is. Just, he's a star. He's a, he's a big fucking star. He and is. He, is. he is at a career peak right now. Mm-hmm. And he's at the peak of his powers and his talents. And he is enjoying being Denny Crane and being Bill Shatner. He is. And, and they're, they're writing so well for him on that show mm-hmm. and letting him be this actor. You know, I, I, I noticed when, you know, watching these two episodes back to back that, um, He's obviously getting good direction, but they're really letting him use his acting instincts and yes. do what he does best and just bring all this stuff, all this talent and history and, and everything that he knows about acting. I mean, you just see it in every scene that he's in, especially the scenes with Spader, because they work so well off of each other. But I'm always just struck when I'm watching Bill about how he puts everything into his performance, that it's his body language and his voice and his eyes and it's amazing how he does that i mean you you compare him to the other actors on the show the younger people spader accepted who are so flat they're just two-dimensional they just don't know how to do any of that stuff well the other amazing thing is and this is part of why he's so good paired with spader is bill is is an outstanding actor who i believe does his homework he has thought it through he knows what Mm -hmm. he's doing but you never see that you never see him act his timing is impeccable, but you never see him counting to mm-hmm. it or watching for it. It's just, it's totally spontaneous, and, and the characters just come bubbling out of him. And mm-hmm. then pair him with Spader, who is a very playing a very different type of character and is a very different type of actor, because we were saying when we were watching it that um, Spader's every move is studied and planned, and that's part of the character of Alan Shore. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, if aliens came down, that's who they'd be like, <laughs> mm-hmm. because... He doesn't look like he's comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. And that works so well with Shatner, who's so out there the mm-hmm. same way, or in a different way, but similar that it worked with Nimoy, mm-hmm. with those two characters, just at the opposite ends of the spectrum, except here the, the, the friendship can be played more overtly because there isn't that you know emotional yeah. 
um, lid that has to be kept on in that way. Yeah, oh, I, I agree totally. I think the the what you see on this show is what you see on a lot of shows too. Is that most of the characters on on TV are are really flat and two dimensional, and when you see an actor. And playing a character who's good enough to be three-dimensional, it, like, jumps off the TV mm-hmm. screen, and, and you notice it so much. And I think maybe in a lot of shows, all of the characters are two-dimensional, so you don't really notice how flat it is. But then when you have that contrast in a show, when people are mm-hmm. being really good, like Shatner and Spader, and, and even Candace Bergen, who we were saying in that last episode, suddenly, like, yeah, they, oh. found her instrument, and, and everything was, you know came together and worked. It's You're looking, like, yeah. wow, this is so good. Why isn't there more of this? And it, you're, you're right, what you're saying about TV, you know, because my background, I have a strong background in theater, so I think I have an appreciation for live performance. And when I see certain things on TV that jump out at me, that's all I can express them as. That was like live theater. Mm-hmm. That was like it was happening. That yeah. was not like it was being performed, it was being filmed, it was being filtered, it was being put through editing. It was happening. Yeah. And you don't see much of that on TV, or really in movies. No, no, you don't. So, just to contrast two scenes in that episode, so that the scene we were just talking about with the two of them talking, and how Denny's so excited, and he's kind of bubbling over, and he's effervescent even, and and they're just sharing this really happy moment, because Alan's feeling good, and it's really, really, really nice, and it's like a real, actual conversation between two people, compared to the scene that came earlier, where, um, as... You know, uh, Denny's trying to get out of doing the defense of the the murderer and the rapist. Um, the judge is in the courtroom, and um, Denny sends the Hobbit to take his place. And the judge does this long speech to the media about how you know he's got this kid, this Hobbit who doesn't know what he's doing, and blah blah blah. And that whole scene is so stagey. It's stagey and flat at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, not that the guy who plays the judge is a bad actor, but he's just kind of adequate, and he's given this this very stagey speech to do, and the Hobbit has to stand there and try to react, which he can't really do because he's not a good enough actor well, to act without talking. And you're like, okay, you know, it's so it's so artificial. And besides the ridiculousness of it, like this could never happen in real life, neither of them are playing it like real people. It's like a cartoon. Well, and the problem, too, with that judge we were talking about, he's the psycho judge. This is like the second case Mm -hmm. we've seen him on, and he's like totally whack. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, he is either choosing to or being told to play this at such an extreme Mm -hmm. that it, it does destroy the reality and... He's playing him, I mean, he's he's like an inch short of twirling his mustache, that level of villainy. <laughs> and the thing is, if you are a villain, if you're ever going to play a villain, well, villains don't walk around going, ha I'm so evil, you know. In movies, in cartoons, yes, I love my evil, but they don't. Real people who do evil things... Mm-hmm. Or bad things, or make bad decisions, or whatever they do, they they aren't doing them deliberately to be bad. Mm-hmm. In in most cases, mm-hmm. you know, it's they, they think there's a, there's a good reason, and you've got to be able to play that, yeah. you know. Yeah. So a, a stunning contrast between yes. two extremes, and I guess for some people, that's the appeal of Boston Legal is that it can reach these ridiculous, you know, circus like heights. Clowns, a clowns <laughs> with actual clowns, even. You know, they're going to have the lippers on or stallions in there next week. <laughs> Trapeze artists or something. Well, we've had the cello. Yeah, we had, had the, the, the cello testifying. So, anyway, and then you get these wonderful, wonderful intimate scenes with, with Shatner and Spader, which are just so very good. And it is so nice, you know, um, when I do different searches on the web and, and get the Yahoo alerts on Shatner News. There are, at least once a week, there's an article in some newspaper that shows up on the web, uh, different people writing it, saying, this is a show you have to watch. And the reason you have to watch it are Shatner and Spader. Mm-hmm. That their scenes together, and each of them individually is so good, but their scenes together are like TV gold. Mm-hmm. There is nothing else like it going on. Mm-hmm. And it's so wonderful to see that coming from so many different sources. Yeah. And I just hope it's paying off in the ratings. I hope people are taking that seriously. I think so. And I was just thinking as we were watching these two episodes, um, that if they can continue to keep this up, he's going to get another Emmy because oh, yeah. his acting is so good. I it's mean, there's nothing so like good. it. It's wonderful. Yes. Is there anything we needed to talk about for the second episode? Um, well, the second episode, the stunning thing to me about that was I have said I've always thought Candace Bergen was a totally flat, in-your-face actress, had nothing going on be- beneath the surface. I mean, 
her performances don't even look phoned in because she wasn't conscious enough to phone it in. And when I saw this and saw the, the scene where she's questioning the woman on the stand who has Alzheimer's, yes, part of it's the editing, you know, the, that the pacing on that was so good. But I, for once in my life, I was able to see her playing two emotions at once, mm-hmm. and it really mm-hmm. surprised mm-hmm. me. She really did an excellent job with it. Mm-hmm. And there was also in this episode a couple of uh, Danny and Alan scenes because Alan was having these night terrors where he was literally endangering himself. And so we get this little playful, you know, will you sleep with me to mm-hmm. keep me safe? And mm-hmm. we're going, what is going on mm-hmm. with this? But um, it finally did have kind of a nice wrap up at the end. Very nice. Another great scene. Yes. Where um, uh, Alan is telling Denny that um, the his secretary, Melissa, <laughs> Melissa, who he had, who looks like a Melissa, who looks like a Melissa or even a Vanessa, um, had decided that um, she wasn't going to be his, his night bodyguard anymore because she was too scared when he actually had a night terror and she had to talk him out of jumping off the balcony. So he, he uh, sort of asks Denny one more time and Denny says, all right, I'll do it. I'll come over. And they eventually decide it's going to be like a pajama party and they're going to make popcorn and watch movies and talk about girls. And drink root beer float. <laughs> And you know, really, up until the root beer floats line, I was going, this is what we do. We make popcorn. <laughs> you know, we drink burners, but yeah, and hang out. And hang out. But so. we don't have to, you know, keep each other from jumping off the balcony. That's, that's true. That's good. So that was a really, again, a very, very nice scene. And um, just keeps showing the depth of their friendship on the show, which is good. And at one point, um, Candace Bergen's character even says to Denny, you know, you need to talk about your mad cow disease with Alan. He's your best friend. Mm-hmm. And he is. And I think Denny finally, you know, it takes him a while to realize that sometimes, that Alan really is his best friend. Right. And he couldn't have a better best friend. And that's another nice thing about this show is, um, you know, the TV and movies have this huge history of the male buddy films. Mm -hmm. And this is a celebration of male friendship that I think takes it to a different level or takes it in a different way because part of the whole male buddy thing is, well, we're guys, so we never talk about it. We never have to talk about it. We never have to say... I like hanging out with you, or, yeah, exactly. or I'm glad you're my friend, or any of these things. And, you know, the, these guys are, are doing it, and are showing an appreciation of each other mm-hmm. that you don't see in those. Yes. And it's it's a, a friendship that is being built not through gunplay mm-hmm. and fast cars, which is almost always the basis mm-hmm. of the male-buddy relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kudos to Boston Legal. We Yay, like it. we love Boston Legal. Um, okay, so I think that's all the Boston Legal News. Yep. Um, we're going to take another musical break and probably play some of that impulse music that I just love so very, very, very much. And if you have, uh, you know, sent us email, been doing your homework, you're going to want to stay tuned for this next segment because because it's all about you. It's all about you, the little people. No, 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 they're not little people. (laughs) All of our wonderful fans that we love, each and every one of you. Straight sex. Fifty bucks. It's time to review your homework. Yay! Some of you have done an outstanding job. And I guess the key is to give you very, very specific questions. (laughs) Really? No more open-ended questions. (laughs) Um, The question we're going to to deal with now, the answers you guys came up with, which are great, is Wade said, who else could have played Kirk? Right. And part of what we're saying is we're not necessarily saying who would have been great, but... Who were other actors who were mm-hmm. like at the appropriate age and, and time in their career to have taken this on? And what might they have brought to the role? Mm-hmm. And we have got just a wonderful list mm-hmm. here. So th- first, thank you to everybody who sent in suggestions because they were all really good suggestions. And some of them I never would have thought of. Yeah, really yeah. kind of boggled me. They were great. So uh, let's just go through some of these. I'm going to read some of these. Um, Landrew, mm-hmm. who sent us the audio uh, messages had suggested Jack Lord, mm-hmm. and I believe he was under consideration for I the think role. so. I think he was, yeah. And Lloyd Bridges. Yeah, Lloyd Bridges could have done it. Um, you know, he was in um, one very bad mystery science 
theater movie called Rocket Ship XM, where he played almost a Kirk-like character, um, except he was a lot stupider. <laughs> but 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 in that same like cowboy kind of explorer way, and he was the mm-hmm. captain of the ship, and you know he had to get everybody together to do those things. So I, I can see where that would have worked. Yeah. Now, you see, when a lot of these, as, as wonderful as I think many of the actors are, it makes me really glad it was Bill, because <laughs> I just don't see the sex quotient, well, and that's very important yeah. to me. But, um, so those those are definite possibles. Mm-hmm. Gregory Gray, our, our fantastic photoshopping shopping artist, also suggested Robert Duvall. That would have been interesting, and Gregory had pointed out he couldn't find any pictures of Robert Duvall from that time period, and I, I googled around and I found a couple of them, and I think he probably lacked the um, beefcake quotient that they mm-hmm. were looking for, but definitely would have brought that really deep intensity to the role, which would have been really interesting. And Gregory had was also saying, because I love Robert Duvall, yeah. that um, it's quite possible he would bring to it... Um, much of the the charm and humanity they, that he brought into many of his later roles, because mm-hmm. he is an actor I really like. The only thing I can think of him, of him being in at that time is uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Well, he was in a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, right, right. He played a very different sort With of character. With the doll? With the doll. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was playing one of those Mama Boy yes. type roles. Exactly. Which we've seen exactly. Bill doing yeah. some of those so, early uh, things. Yeah, so he was very, yeah, very different. That's true, that's true. That's true. Okay, um, Cheesemeister. Love the name. <laughs> Who leaves us many comments. Love cheese. Um, suggested Roger Moore. Gosh, what was Roger Moore doing then? Well, I think Roger Moore may have been too young for it at oh, that time. Oh, he was in the, the Saint. No, he wasn't in The Saint, was he? I don't know. Oh, now I have to look it up. Okay, okay. you talk and I look it up. <laughs> okay, she'll look it up. We'll come back to Roger yeah. Moore then. Um, we got a whole huge list of them from Mr. Da, or maybe it's Mr. D.A., but okay. it's Mr. Da. He suggests Hugh O'Brien, and thank you, Mr. D.A., for giving us references, because some of these I wasn't picking up on right away. Hugh O'Brien was in Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp. Uh, um, now, I don't remember that show, but I do remember who Hugh O'Brien is, so I must have seen him in, in oh, something. Oh, gosh. I think he did a lot of westerns, didn't he? Yeah, he was also in a TV series that I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, okay, come on, where is it? Where is it? Oh, well. TV appearances. Another one, James Garner. And he certainly was at that uh, at that right age, I believe, and that point in his career he was doing, you know, TV mm-hmm. and doing movies. And, okay. and I always think of him as being a little bit more of a, a, a comic actor than mm-hmm. a serious actor. And there certainly are a lot of serious aspects to Kirk. Yeah. But he's a possible. He's possible. I think he... he I always think of James Garner as having this very laid-back attitude, mm-hmm. just a, in the roles that he's played, but himself personally, and you know, like Rockford Files was really built around yes. that aspect of his personality. So I, I, that would have been an interesting take on it. Not quite so take charge. What was the western he did? I'm blanking on the name oh, of it. God, oh, we're such bad TV fans that we can't remember this <laughs> stuff off the top. Of and our they heads. even made a movie out of it. I know. Where, um, and Mel I'm, Gibson acted like James Garner. I can't remember. Oh, well, terrible. Okay. okay, so just to get back to Roger Moore. Yes. Right, he was the saint on TV. That was 1962. Oh, really? Yes, and I've watched some of those, and I, I remember watching them when I was younger, and I watched some of them recently, and they totally didn't hold up for me. Like, they were just dull and boring and everything. And, you know, he's supposed to be this super spy kind of guy, very much a precursor to 007. And it, it was just not good, and he didn't get to act very much in them. There was a lot of kind of running around. Mm. (laughs) So, didn't get to flex his acting chops there. Okay. Jack Kelly. I don't even know who that is. I don't know either. I could look him up. Okay, look him up while I keep reading. Um, Okay, and he also said uh, Roger Moore. Mm -hmm. um, That's two votes for Roger Moore. Maverick was James Gardner. Oh, Maverick, that's um, it. There we go. uh, uh, Mr. Dow also suggested Gene... Gene Barry, who did Bat Masterson. I'd totally forgotten oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Peter Graves. Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I've seen Peter Graves, again, in a bunch of movies that he was doing in the very early 60s. Of uh-huh. course, most of them ended up being on Mystery Science Theater, <laughs> which is why I know them. <laughs> And, you know, he did a pretty good job being in those terrible, you know, Roger Corman horror movies. And he was pretty good in those movies, you know. He, he didn't have a lot to work with, but he tried hard and brought a certain intensity to his acting. He was very tall and good-looking. You know, you could have seen him in that role. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Okay. Mr. Da also singled out um, a group of actors who he says are in the Shatner generation, born in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So these are all at least age appropriate. And uh, the first one on his list is Robert Conrad. Oh, yes. And uh, Liz had also suggested this one, and I'm sure Sunbeam would be right on board with that, too, because oh, um, yeah. they're big Robert Conrad I, I think when we were having drinks the night, she and I got to talking about that, and she was all for, for um, him as Kirk. She was like, oh, yes, he could, definitely could have done it. Um, he also suggests Burt Reynolds. And then he writes Hawk, a show I vaguely mm-hmm. remember. He says, don't laugh. <laughs> Check out what he was doing in the mid-'60s. Well, the thing is, you know, in the... Uh, in the 70s, when Burt Reynolds, you know, became a star and, and did a, a number of movies, mm-hmm. I enjoyed an awful lot of mm-hmm. them. I mean, I don't think he's he's direct by any means. No, not at all. Did you see the Twilight Zone episode that he was in? No. <gasps> what one is it? Oh, my God, it's funny. It's one of the funny ones. And um, the premise of it was that this hack writer brings the spirit of Shakespeare back to life to help him write TV scripts because he's such a bad writer. Uh-huh. And the thing that he's writing is for... Braga? <laughs> <laughs> No, it was Berman. Berman. <laughs> um, the thing that he's writing for is some TV play, and uh, Burt Reynolds plays Marlon Brando. He's not called Marlon Brando, but it's clearly supposed to be a parody. Oh he is so fucking funny. It is a dead-on impersonation of Brando. It's great. It is just hilarious. Gonna We're going to have to I've get that because you, you would one. really like it. Okay, he also lists Vic Morrow. Oh, yes, Vic From Morrow. Combat. Wow. And... This is another actor I don't know, and he even cites the credit. Gardner McKay from Adventures in Paradise. Do you know that? I don't know. Okay. Um, so that was an extensive list. Mr. Dow had a lot of ideas, and I think did his research. So, Absolutely. You know, gold star for Thank you. you. Glenn Glenn. Yay, from Glenn. From Glenn Glenn Sound, who we see on <laughs> all the credits No, no, he does the Comic Fight Club podcast. Okay, <laughs> he says Harrison Ford, which I think is an interesting choice, because I think Harrison Ford was probably six at the time, but also because of the whole who's cooler, Captain Kirk or Han Solo. Yeah, thing, exactly. Know, in uh, Free Enterprise. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know... Um, there's a quality to Harrison Ford in just about all of the acting that he's done where he's like, um, he's angry underneath. There's, there's like this, this undercurrent of anger that runs through a lot of his roles is sort of not like violent anger, but just sort of a dissatisfaction, <coughs> excuse me, dissatisfaction with mm. things that would have been an interesting quality. He was born in 1942, so mm. he wouldn't have been that young. I mean, a little young. But. I have to admit Harrison Ford is an actor I simply do not get. And I have many friends who, who love him, you know, they think mm-hmm. he's a wonderful actor, or they think he's real sexy, or any of those things, and I'm just like, what? It's it, it, nothing. <laughs> it, it's, it's a blank. It's, you know, it's, I just don't get it. Anyway, I put some thought into it, too. Okay, let's hear yours. And um, my list has a few on it that I think will um, are bizarre. They would certainly have made a very bizarre Star Trek. But the first one, I think, is actually an interesting choice on my part. Okay, far away. Clint Eastwood. <gasps> Ooh, that's an interesting choice. Wow. Huh. Because he's got that sort of underplayed quiet thing like um, Christopher Pike had. Yeah. But a lot of violence. Yeah, <laughs> lots of violence. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of an interesting yeah. choice. And I believe he is about the same age. He is, though. he is. Totally. Well, he was in Rawhide on TV yeah. for a long time, so... Yeah. That he would have actually probably been in the pool of actors that they had considered because he was a working TV actor. Quite possibly. Yeah. Okay, now this next one, I believe, is too young for it, although he was working in TV at the time, but he hadn't yet become a big movie star. Uh-huh. Robert Redford. Oh, wow. I wonder. Huh. See, I don't think he had the acting chops yeah. then. But but that's a that's good. If they were just casting for pretty. That's yeah. who they got back then when they were casting for pretty. Yeah. with Robert Redford. Yeah, I agree. Okay, this next one. I know he's too young because um, I actually checked the age, <laughs> and he and Robert Redford are the exact same age. Uh-huh. But this would have been a really weird, weird Star Trek. What? Jack Nicholson. <gasps> Ooh! <laughs> wow! <laughs> would that have been bizarre? Oh boy, that would have been very bizarre. He, you know, um, so I've seen Jack Nicholson in a couple of really old movies that he mm-hmm. did, and he didn't have that attitude really back then. I mean, in that one. But point, I think if they'd made him the captain of the Starship, oh, he would have developed it real he, fast. He would have. Boy, that would have been a very interesting, interesting choice, huh? Okay, now this last one. 
This couldn't happen in the Mirror Universe, in the Galaxy Quest Universe, in the Bizarro Universe. It couldn't happen, but man, worlds collide. Okay. Elvis. <laughs> Be me up, Scotty. Wow. Well, they would have all been they would have all been paying attention to him, wouldn't they? Everybody would have been sitting there. Can't you see him sort of swaggering around? Like that? That's stupid. Oh, bring me another peanut butter and banana sandwich. <laughs> the captain's left starship. <laughs> it's the same Kirk out. He says, thank you very much. <laughs> I think that would have just been so Wow, strange. that's great. Oh, I wonder if someone's done that. It was like a comic or a parody or something like that. They're going to do it now because we just put we it just on here. Okay, TM, TM. <laughs> Big TM around it. So, successful homework, people. Oh, that's great. What a great and interesting question. You know, if we ever get to talk to, to Bill, we should ask him who else he thinks could have played Kirk. He'll say no one. Well, you never know. He might say. We'll ask him if he, if he thinks Elvis could have played it. Okay. Well, let's ask him. We've got to ask him if he met Elvis. I wonder if he did. They probably slept with a lot of the same women. Well, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that brings to mind somebody else who slept with a lot of the same women, and uh, we didn't even consider him. Who? Warren Beatty. Oh, my God. <gasps> wow, you're right about okay, that. Okay, let's narrow the question. Who that slept with a lot <laughs> of the women. same women? <laughs> well, we talked about Lockwood last time, right. because he and Bill clearly slept with a lot of the same women. Yeah, and... Um, uh, but that would have been a very odd portrayal of, of the captain mm-hmm. of the Enterprise. Not as odd as Elvis, but, well, you know, Lockwood and Elvis worked together. <laughs> Wow, this is like one and a half degrees of of something really, really strange. Just think of the great Kirk moments as they would have been by Elvis. <laughs> then we would have had to call it Elvis Light instead of Kirk Light. <laughs> Elvis is Captain of the Enterprise. What a concept. Really? Boy, I'm going to have to give that some serious thought. He would have been much more at home in the Mirror Universe, though. You think so? Well, the outfits and everything. Well, yeah. The king did like his glitter and spangles, <laughs> yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think his sideburns would have been a little more appropriate. In the he Mirror would have Universe. loved that Miramani episode. Oh, totally, He yeah. would have sang Love Me Tender. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine they would have had a musical break in every show? <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been as, as inappropriate as the fashion show with yes. the women. <laughs> You know, um, if I I was going to do it, but I totally spaced on it, um, somewhere in my collection of Trek books, um, I think the list of people who were considered for the role, it's I've, there in a book somewhere. Right, I've seen that somewhere, because that's that's where I, I knew or had heard that Jack, Jack Lord, Lord was yeah. one of them. I should try and dig that up so we can... And I wouldn't be surprised if Lloyd Bridges was one of them. I'm sure he was. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All those kind of... Just working TV actors. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when you said um, Peter Graves, another person who kind of came to mind but in a totally different way was Lee Van Cleef, who's about the same age. And he was in one of those bad movies with Peter Graves. But um, he he was a very interesting actor, you know. He was in a lot of crap later in his life. But, boy, he was really good in some of the things he was in and Mm -hmm. had a very, um, very passionate in his roles when he was called upon to be that way and very intelligent and, you know, really could do a lot with really crappy material. Mm-hmm. So I respect him for that. He would have been an interesting choice, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a good... That was great. Was I like that. Fun. Well, we're going to have to think hard about uh, some other questions that we can throw out to people. That's right. For Trek. Uh, so now I'm wondering, I wonder who else they um, considered for the role of Picard on Next Generation. Because I'm Ooh. pretty sure Patrick Stewart was not the only actor that they considered for that role. Yeah. Although it does, in some ways, seem tailor-made for him. You know, a French guy with an English accent. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm sure that when they created that role, they did not have him specifically in mind. And I don't think they, they specifically decided it should be a British accent or a bald guy. I don't know. I don't know. Are I don't any, know anything about that. Are, are there any French actors that they might have considered? So we'd have an actual Frenchman? I don't know. Yeah. I think they probably felt like people would have been put off by the accent. Yeah. Even a light French accent would have seemed effeminate. 
unfortunately. You can't have a frog in well, the you know, command exactly. chair, <laughs> apparently. They could have chosen um, one of the American actors who has more of a mid-Atlantic accent, you know. That oh. prob- well, I don't know. There's probably guys around like that. Well, I was going to say, I, th- I think that kind of went out with the Ooh, mummy, as you were saying, the 30s and 40s. Most American actors... Actually, by that point, most American actors talk like they were from nowhere because a big part of being an actor was losing all your regionalisms. That's true. Well, I don't know. Well, okay. So uh, we'll have to do some research because I know nothing about this. I know very, very little about the history of TNG and Mm -hmm. how those actors were cast in those roles. So we can find out, but um, listening audience... If you have information on this, why don't you send it along, and we'll start thinking about maybe who else could have played Captain Picard. Yeah. Because that would be very interesting. It would. Yeah. Cool. Okay, what else you got um, on your big list o I think we have one last thing to talk about here, which is, you know, um, because we're very vain, we have Google Alerts set up to uh, find out where our show is appearing. On what website? And, and who's saying like that. what about us? And who's us? saying what about us? Because we like to know these things. And um, our show showed up on <laughs> on this website. Tell them the name of it. The name of the website is, um, well, see, I'm not really sure what the name is. Is it is it the thing at the top or is it this? I think or is it this? <laughs> or is it this? <laughs> okay, at the top it says, but his show. Right. B-U-T-T. His show. So when you, I guess, look for look at his butt, eventually if you keep going yeah. through every single thing, you'll end up at butt his show. It's a porn site. Oh, yeah, we should point that out. It's a it's a porn site, and I think it's one of those porn sites that just has a robot that goes around the web, and it, it pulls anything that has the word butt in it, and I then it links so. to it on that page. That's how I ended up on the pool table site. Right. So here's what it says. Um, it's Captain Stabbin'. <laughs> And it's anal adventures on the open seas. <laughs> Ew. 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 Enter here for anal adventures on the open seas. And, um, yeah, it's got some really interesting pictures of <laughs> women getting it up the butt. And I just have to say, first of all, I guess the guy in this picture is Captain Stabbin. And, man, is he ugly. <laughs> but, you know... In porn, as I was saying, I think it's like a requirement that the guy be ugly so that guys watching it cannot feel like, oh, well, only really good-looking yeah. guys, you know, get, get beautiful girls. you got to be kind of homely and dorky. Like me! Yeah, yeah, we can get beautiful ex- girls who want to take it up the butt. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And the pictures look like they're, you know, sex on a boat somewhere. So they obviously, you know, had a video camera and it cost about, what, 250 to make these movies or clips or whatever they are you know i had a friend who was a porn actor oh yeah and he was in a porn movie about a pirate <laughs> was his name captain stabbin no i'm not going to tell you the, the name because then people find out who my friend is and it would be embarrassing for him but um i'll tell you later <laughs> off the air. but um they they had rented this pirate ship i don't know where you rent pirate ships but they had rented this ship for filming and they were doing the filming, and apparently the the ship got to rocking, and the neighbors came a knocking, or not literally came a knocking, but called the police. Oh my god! And and they all got shut down. Oh. And I don't know where they had to finish filming. Not on the pirate ship. Not no. in the pirate ship. Oh well, let me just say, um, in looking at the the really interesting pictures on this site, this site totally plays into this very strange straight man fantasy they have that there are all these women, these beautiful women out there, who are just dying to get fucked up the ass by ugly guys by ugly guys because they just can't see them anyway (laughs) really because you know there just aren't enough guys out there willing to have anal sex with women and these poor women just cannot get it they're dying for it and they'll basically sleep with any guy who will you know be nice enough to do them this favor (laughs) to fuck them up the ass so let me just tell you all straight guys out there that is such a lie (laughs) It is so not true. Oh, don't crush so not them. True. You're so cruel. I know it's your little fantasy, but it's not true. <laughs> anyway, so that's my two cents about anal sex. Okay, but, and, uh, but we are proud that we are somehow a link, link to, to the captain stabbing anal, anal adventures, adventures on the open seas. <laughs> Do you have to say that in the movie when you're getting fucked? Yeah, and your parrot's probably doing commentary. (laughs) 
Okay, um, one last thing. One last thing. We want to wrap up tonight with another fabulous battle cry. Absolutely. This one came from Trex Kitten. Yay! And, um, okay, it says, Hark! Who is that prowling through the desert? It is Trex Kitten, hands clutching a vorpal blade, and with a cruel bellow, her voice cometh, I'm going to fuck you harder than God thought possible! <laughs> Arr! <laughs> Well, I think that's a great way to close the show. I think it says it all. All right. Um, So think about the Picard thing, and we'll be back soon. Mm